Hello and welcome. My name is John Michael Collins. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. The music you just heard is fun, upbeat, and kind of depicts me. It was provided by my friends Marino and Noah Correa, who are part of a company called Cinema Sonic. Head over to their website down in the description to find out how you could get quality audio and visual works for your next project. Ow! Ow! That hurt! That hurt a lot! I could probably chug a full 32 ounces of my apple cider vinegar water. Whew! But I'm not going to. Because I don't think that's my purpose in life. So guess what I got in the mail? My Billy Boy's cologne, baby. It's in my pocket. I'm going to grab it. That was the sound of me unscrewing the cap. That's the smell of me smelling it. And then I'm not going to roll it on myself because I've I've already rolled on a lot. But holy cow, does this smell good. This bottle is 8 milliliters. You might think that's not a lot, but actually, if you think about when you spray yourself with cologne, do you ever wonder how much of the actual cologne is, like, misting past you and how much you might be wasting? (laughs) Yeah. I won't read you the full description, but the specific notes that you'll be able to smell in this gives off the aroma of a nice cool shower, fresh green note, exhilarating harmony of citrus fruits, bergamot, lime, lemon, peppermint, herbal eucalyptus, blue aquamarine, blooming lavender florals, and a hint of rose petals, sandalwood, elegant leather, and subtle powdery base notes, which elongates the scent. This smells awesome. I've now worn it like three times in a row. (laughs) I don't really have anyone to wear it for other than myself, which is completely okay because I like smelling good. But what I have noticed is this scent will stick with you. It will stick with you. It will be memorable. Shout out to EDC Crate for this. Thank you so much. I look forward to, you know, when this bottle runs out, getting another bottle. I can say now that I won't go with any other cologne as long as this is around. To all of you listening, head over to the description to find the link to the website, which is edccrate.com. And if you're interested in buying anything on there, Use coupon code GQT15%. So, on to a little pre-roll for this episode. Whoo, did I have an awesome Christmas dinner. Christmas Eve dinner. I spent it physically alone, which is okay. Because I didn't feel alone until toward the end of the night when I started getting tired. (sighs) Christmas to me is about way more than lights and presents and gifts and being with people and family members and those you love, which those things are really awesome and great. But to me, the true meaning of Christmas is remembering the birth of Jesus. So what happened to him, and just imagine this happening in your life, a newborn baby boy, the government sets out and says, 
All newborn babies must die. All newborn boys must die. That happened to Jesus. He didn't get killed, but his mother and father ran towards Egypt to hide. And then they went to Israel. So it's a very, very wow story, which you can find the story in Matthew 1 and Matthew 2 of the Bible. Very, very beautiful. But dinner, whew, I don't know how that happened other than miraculously, but I'm kind of tired, by the way, because of the food that I ate. You know how when you eat a good meal, it kind of puts you in a food coma? Yeah, that <laughs> happened. But I'll do my best, because I'm fortunately in a good mood. I didn't have a planned time as far as, you know, when I would start eating. The components of my meal were bread, a pierogi, which is a Poland-slash-Italian dish. It's like a dough pocket filled with, you can put kind of whatever you want in it. But mine had cheese, mashed potatoes, sauerkraut, and onions. And then we move over to the chocolate chip cookies in the shape of a cross. And then the main dish, which was cooked duck. I had never cooked a duck before. I was hoping to find a turkey, but at the store, they were out of turkeys. I went to two different stores, and they were both out of turkeys, <laughs> which was a bummer. But on my way out, I looked in like a bin and I saw a frozen duck. It was 4.89 pounds. And oh my gosh, there's so much meat remaining. And I'll post a link to it. But basically, I have a friend who it's kind of insane how this happened. He wanted me to watch Gordon Ramsay's Master Cookery course. So Gordon Ramsay is a chef. He's a TV chef. So this was like the first full episode that I watched, like literally a week before Christmas. Had I not watched this, I would have had like little inspiration to my Christmas Eve dinner. Episode one, he cooks a chicken and puts a bunch of stuffing inside the cavity and then puts a lemon in, in there to like kind of close it up. I actually did that, but with a duck. <laughs> I tried mimicking it as close as I could. I had also steamed it in like a pool of water mixed with white wine. I've never cooked with wine before. Christmas Eve, although I spent it by myself, it truly, truly felt for a period of time because I had Christmas music playing in the background as I was cooking. And then because I was cooking so long, I just got really tired. <laughs> it was just awesome. If you, like me, don't have anyone to spend with in this time, you can truly, truly find peace in the midst of being alone. Speaking of alone, I'm alone right now in my booth. If I don't transition anytime soon, I'm not going to get into the, <laughs> to the meat and potatoes <laughs> of this episode. Yeah. 
This podcast is a personal and therapeutic tool I call a vocal diary. It's a space for me to process thoughts, explore stories, and post them for those who might be interested, hopefully inspiring someone, which, by the way, welcome, I believe it's Bhutan and Singapore. That is very, very awesome, and I'm excited to have you to the family of listeners. I'm not doing this for any type of social gain or to be a better human. I'm just doing it. Episodes 1 and 2 talk about who I am. So if you're interested, give them a listen if you haven't. A quick disclosure that going on tangents may or may not be involved. This show is conversationally true to how I speak. Here we go. To when I get sad and lonely. Wow. Whoever writes these topics... Which, by the way, this is topic 133 since launching earlier this year. Like you, I too get sad and lonely sometimes. We all get sad and lonely sometimes. Some people get sad and lonely a lot. It feels like you're always sad and lonely. So to myself and to those people, I want to say that you are loved, you are treasured, and you are adored. You are adored, whether you want to believe that or not. I'm just going to tell you (laughs) by the creator of the universe and can have a relationship with him. All you have to do is ask him into your life. Say, God, I understand and acknowledge that I am alone and I am broken and I can't do this life by myself. I don't want to be alone. And I know that only you can provide eternal life, eternal protection, eternal love, and that you know me better than I know myself. And would you help me with where I'm at? You, Jesus, I believe are Lord, and I invite you to be Lord over my life. Amen. (laughs) So may I remind you that I'm not planning, other than the things in the introduction, from when you hit play to when I say, here we go, and introduce the first topic. Those are the only things that are, for the most part, pre-planned. Otherwise, whatever I'm talking about in these topics, it, it could be subject to anything. So to when I get sad and lonely, it's up to you to decide how sad and how lonely you want to be. I know that sounds ridiculous, and I know it's really hard sometimes just to push yourself to do something, like record an episode, but you just gotta do it. You just gotta plow through it and do it. You gotta get your blood pumping. You gotta take your sweatshirt off. You gotta do a couple squats, and you just gotta, like, ah, scream a little bit and raise your voice. So if you get sad and lonely, I would encourage you to do something that you don't normally find yourself doing when you are sad and lonely, (sighs) that could potentially, like, nudge you out of that status, out of that place, to just, you know, get the ball rolling, rolling again, to help you change your way of thinking. And if you are not sad and lonely... Think about the times that you are sad and lonely so that you can contrast the beauty of how you got there. Oftentimes, I find myself sad and lonely. Oh gosh, when was the first time I found myself sad and lonely? (laughs) 
Never! I am just kidding. Oh my gosh, that perfume. I mean, not perfume. That cologne smells so good. Okay, I often think of this time actually when I think of being sad and lonely. It was my friend's, I think her birthday party. She was having some type of party. And she lived across from this, like, industrial area. There were a whole bunch of people over, and I just felt lonely. So I walked outside, and I just kind of disappeared for a little bit, hoping that someone would come, like, looking for me. And I truly feel that a lot, that feeling. And that's a natural feeling of living in a broken world. When I say broken, I mean it's not perfect. It is not perfect, and I'm sure you know that. And I think that time, I believe, we'll say, oh, it was 8th or ninth grade. <laughs> to when I was skiing really fast. <laughs> Maybe in 2013 or 2012. I don't remember if it was a black rated slope. I just remember going downhill super fast and being like, I do not care if I were to like hit something right now or, you know, just fall because I'm going so fast that this is just awesome. (sighs) Another time I was going really fast and there was this really big open field that I was skiing through, and in the middle were these two trees, and everybody was going around the trees, but I decided to go in between the trees, and so I went between the trees, and I bounced, and then I did like a 20-foot flip. I was fortunately okay. But all these skiing stories, to remind you to focus on what it is you are trying to do in life, And if you're finding yourself doing something that's just super awesome, like going really fast down a ski slope, just be careful, you know, be careful. (laughs) To all the times I've gotten a flat tire. A flat tire, you could probably call it other things like a deflated tire or a tire with no air, but this goes specifically out to my uncle for teaching me how to change a tire on a car. You know, if you have a spare tire that's already on a wheel, that's pretty sweet. How many times can I think of off the top of my head? Okay, going back in time, one, two, three. (laughs) Okay, three. I was trying to think of how many how many states I've changed a flat tire in. Georgia, Colorado, Iowa, probably Washington, but I can't... I'm not able to search the archive of my memory that well right now. Oh, yep, Washington. There we go, four. Okay. <laughs> Changing a tire is kind of a, a big hassle. It can be really frustrating. There's actually a lot of anxiety that comes with it. But if you can learn how to do that, congratulations, because you are awesome. (laughs) So my most recent flat tire, 
Okay, get this. I had just moved from Seattle, Washington to Atlanta, Georgia, which is a 3,000-plus mile drive. Okay, maybe not 3,000 miles, but the amount of driving that I did, because I did some backtracking, was actually, like, more than 3,000 miles. So I drove that whole distance without getting a single flat tire until, like, maybe three or four weeks after getting to Atlanta, I got a flat tire. And most, almost every time I drive, I get in my car to drive, I'll just look, look at each of my tires just for a second to see, does it look pretty flat? Does it look kind of flat or not? Does it look okay? So this was like one of the one times I didn't look. I got in my car. I was about to go to an outdoor church gathering. Not, but like 40 seconds into my drive. I end up pulling over into a parking lot being like, oh, yep, my tire is flat. And that was that was probably like 10 seconds or five seconds before getting on the interstate. And then that parking lot was fortunately right next to a gas station where I put enough air in the tire to get me back home, which was like that whole 40-second thing, so that I could change the tire and put the spare on. And something that's really, really, really frustrating is if you don't tighten down the lug nuts as tight as you can. On another vehicle I had, this happened where I thought I tightened everything down properly because like there were five or six I think there were like six lug nuts on the wheel (sighs) but as I was driving home I noticed the wheel start like it must not have been tightened down all the way and it was like wobbling pretty crazy miraculously by the grace of God thank you God (laughs) and you probably don't care but I'm just you know verbally writing out in my journal right now Just jabbing, jabbing. (laughs) If things in life feel flat for you, it's okay. Wherever you're at, you can stop. As long as you're able to get out and, like, you're not driving on it while it's flat and not causing damage. Here we go. The longer you drive on a flat tire, you're going to damage the tire and then you're probably going to damage the wheel. So the sooner you can recognize that it's flat, the sooner you can fix it, which is like in your life, the sooner you can recognize something is flat. Like the last couple of weeks have been feeling kind of flat to me. You can make an adjustment and you can fix it and you can do things to like get you going again. You know? Yeah. You got this. You got this. Yeah. We got this. We got this. I really, 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 really want to thank you from the deepest part of my heart for tuning in to this episode. If you liked it, please share it with your family and friends and anybody and everyone you know. Also, if you don't mind, head over to my website, which is my creative portfolio, johnmichaelcollins.com. Bass, bass, bass. Thanks for listening.